Welcome to the Conservation Queens podcast. We are five girls who love the earth and have a passion for living a more eco-friendly life. We are real life Zoo employees. As always, nothing that we say reflects our organizations and all thoughts and opinions are our own. Now, please keep in mind that we try to keep our podcast around PG-13. So if you have any younger listeners, you may want to review the content beforehand. And with that, let's get started. I'm Kenzie. I'm Abby. I'm Emily A. And I'm Katie. Emily B. will be popping in a couple times in this episode, just to let y'all know. And with that, let's talk about stuff. All right, let's get to it. So I want to get serious for a moment. If any of our listeners out there has been following up with the dumpster fire that is 2020, uh, you'll know that some more recent developments have occurred within the United States. Uh, Laura, Category 4 hurricane, slammed into Louisiana and Texas. Our thoughts are with those who have been affected by the disaster. And of course, you have all probably been following or heard of the Black Lives Matter movement. Earlier this week, I think it was, was it last night? Uh, Two people, two protesters. Two nights ago? Yeah. 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 Well, two people were shot and killed. A third was injured. They were protesters with BLM, and they were shot by a young man who crossed state lines to, quote-unquote, protect businesses, along with several other armed men in a militia style. And we want to take this time to reiterate our stance and that black lives matter. We condemn the violence against black lives and against the protesters. We want this podcast to be a safe space for people who are black, indigenous and people of color and just humans in general. Black lives matter is not political, it is human rights. And we stand with that. Now we are just five girls and we're white. <laughs> we are very white. Let's not beat around the bush here. Humans are the worst, but all humans are the same level of worst. So, yeah. And all humans are, should be entitled to due process, to fair housing, to the ability to pursue happiness and live their lives with dignity. And for our listeners out there who are directly impacted by what's going on when it comes to racial inequality. We are here. If we say something that is not appropriate, call us out. We are not above reproach. And again, we're just five girls on a really small podcast, but we're doing what we can. Remember to register to vote. If you have the ability to donate to organizations, and even though our focus is conservation, Conservation is intimately tied with social justice, and to ignore what is happening is to turn a blind eye. And that is not something we can abide by. Yeah. So that's it. 
Very well said, Kenzie. Yes. Thank you. Kenzie for president. (laughs) No, I don't want that job. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) But I would vote for you, just so you know. We'd be your cabinet. We'd do it. I I prefer to, like, be the puppet behind the scenes, you know, pulling some strings. Jeez, Kenzie. (laughs) Okay. In other words, my life in all right, well, let's get into some <laughs> conservation <laughs> updates. I don't know who wrote this first one. Who did you think uh, would write that first one? Oh, that's fair. Okay, yes. Go ahead, Bird Lady. All right. So it, it's your girl, Abby, resident bird nerd. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm going to start introducing myself like that instead. Oh. I like that. I like bird nerd. <laughs> that's very cute. Yeah. So cool news out of Norway. Um, there was a study that's been done over the last seven years. Um, in Norway, they painted the blades of wind turbines black instead of white. And bird deaths caused by wind turbines were down by 70%. Wow. Oh Way to wow. go, Norway. So we that's all are really? here at Conservation Creeds. Obviously, we're here for renewable energy, including wind energy, because, like, it's renewable. <laughs> we can always get it. And it's not hurting anything, but it is. Um, wind turbines are a problem for birds, but well, this it is was hurting the birds. <laughs> it was hurting the birds, for, but the wind turbine, not the energy itself. Um, right. But this is such a simple solution. If you manufacture the wind turbine paid blades a different color, then I think well, bam, birds can see it better. Some people were arguing that like birds at night may not have may still have issues, but I, you know. It's a well, that's 70% why it's, is, I guess, yeah, not 100. But, but it's still significant. Certainly. So, so, that's just a cool thing I saw today on Facebook that I really liked. I thought that was good conservation news. <laughs> Sometimes you can find good things on Facebook. <laughs> if, you get a, if you're part of a birding memes page, you get some quality content. Oh, well, yeah, definitely. You know, good Just like stuff. on the, uh, you know, we're all ants in a colony Facebook page. You get some good content occasionally. Oh, that's such a good Facebook <laughs> it's, page. It's very <laughs> funny. I have not seen a whole lot of conservation news on there about... <laughs> But you know what? But, like, it's it still makes good. me smile. So did you know there's a rival anteater Facebook page? There's a what? One. There's an anteater one. You can be, pretend to be an anteater that eats all the ants in the ants colony. Stop! I have to join it anyway. I also joined. I was like, I'm gonna be both because I don't care. That's <laughs> so funny. Can you me the <laughs> Give me five minutes. <laughs> I have also some um, conservation news that I think is really cool. Uh, super rare wolverines that haven't been seen in a century in Mount Rainier National Park are back. Yo! They're back, baby. The boys are back in town. And by boys, I mean they spotted a nursing mother and her two kids uh, by camera stations <laughs> within the park. And they are the first wolverines to establish residence in Mount Rainier in over a hundred years and it's a really great indicator that the park and ecosystem surrounding it are doing well uh so that's just cool i yeah. always feel like um i was definitely one of those people that didn't realize that wolverines were like a real animal until uh, <laughs> an age i don't want to say i thought it was just you know an x-men but Dude. please tell me that the age like at least 
like started with a one yes it did okay thank god (laughs) yeah before you were 20 (laughs) yes absolutely we i have them growing up the minnesota zoo so i always knew about them but like again that's an animal that we used to have in minnesota so well well there you go i yeah never have been near a wolverine in my life so listen katie i'll take you to the minnesota zoo and i will show you the world of northern wildlife because it's pretty dope thank you i would love that i'll bring all of you it'll be we can stay at my parents house it'll be fun <laughs> i'm inviting right, well i know this is your segment abby so tell us your zoo news oh, so much zoo news uh i think all good zoo news again very cool um the Woo! first zoo news is my favorite zoo news because there's a baby black rhino born in the cincinnati zoo yeah it is adorable Woo! i was it's so happy feet. to see that its feet are too big for its body and it's too good for this world gender tbd but i don't care it's adorable black rhinos so funny they hide their little lip and then they just take it out and you just are so happy about it (laughs) um another cool thing i don't know it was like really kind of zoo news but i thought it was cool um this week the one and only ivan premiered on disney plus and for those who don't know it is a um, this was a book by Catherine Applegate, and it's based on a true story of a gorilla named Ivan who grew up as a pet, and then he was part of a show in a strip mall, and then eventually ended up at Zoo Atlanta after the public protested to get him the treatment he deserved. Yo, um, when I say I read this book and I sobbed, I mean I sobbed hard. Yes, <laughs> I read. I love the book, and the movie did a pretty good job as well. Um, and my favorite part was the end because they didn't like say that Ivan was in the zoo. Spoiler alert: he goes to a zoo, but that's you already said it. I so fine. Uh, <laughs> sorry, um, but they don't explicitly say he went to the he like in the in the concept of the movie. But then they have like the story of actual Ivan afterwards with pictures and videos. Mm. So that's really really cool. Um, so more births that happened. There was a baby koala born at the Cleveland Zoo. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm sure they don't have pictures yet because they just come out as like little peanuts. And then oh, yeah. You got to wait are... like a good month. Yep. Um, at the Omaha <laughs> Zoo. Huh? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, I was just mentioning that don't they like crawl from where they're yeah. birthed into the couch? So they, they sure so do. They, they birth like a little lima bean, and then they make like a rock climbing journey up to the nipple of their mom in the pouch. Yep. Is that a good way to describe that? Yeah, I mean, like yeah. I know like a lot about how can like that works with kangaroos, and it takes them. Well, I know for a kangaroo, it takes them three minutes to crawl from where they're birthed, and then to get into the pouch. And oh, they're it's zooming. Like, yeah, but they're like literally the size of a jelly bean and they weigh uh, about the weight of two aspirins. So if you were like holding two aspirins in your hand, that is literally a baby newborn kangaroo. Yeah, you wouldn't know it because it doesn't weigh anything. You don't feel it. Yeah, so it climbs into the mom's pouch and then it um, latches onto her teeth and it actually like forms kind of a suction around it. And it will actually remain there until it's, like, big enough to unlatch, which takes some time. Um, it's kind of crazy. 
Marsupials how are so weird. Marsupials do it. Yeah. Anyway, we could do a whole episode on. I was gonna say that's an actually. episode um, about just like marsupials and their their adaptations weirdness. Um, the Omaha Zoo is opening a new sea lion exhibit on September fourth, and it cost twenty six million dollars. Oh man! That and is I probably a nice exhibit. We should go road trip up to see it. We'll I'm down to. I love that zoo. That zoo is. This is a hot take. I think the Omaha Zoo is better than the San Diego Zoo. Oh, <laughs> I know that's a really hot take, but their exhibits are just like bananas. They're so good. I've never been to either. So have you been to San Diego Zoo? I sure have. I have been to both, so I feel like wow. I'm, huh. I'm okay Lucky. to say that. Yes, I. <laughs> Yeah, I'm googling Omaha Zoo to compare. <laughs> yeah, well, the, I, once we get to do my exhibit design episode, I will talk all about the Omaha oh. Zoo because they. I, are... No, you know what? I'm gonna say I know why Abby likes Omaha Zoo. Do they have prehensile-tailed porcupines? That's Every not where I was going, one. but if they oh. do, that's probably a factor. It's not a incredible aviary. Mm, well, also that, that too. Movie. That was my but second they also, guess. They also she is a bird lady, y'all. Okay, <laughs> they also have this really cool like jungle exhibit. That's four, like, it's four stories high, and each story is a yeah. is a layer of the rainforest. Oh, is that not, sick. Is that not the aviary? No, that's like an entire jungle exhibit. It's huge. It's the largest oh. indoor jungle in the world. And then that's they have kind of crazy. They have a nocturnal exhibit that's like a path through different parts. They have eye eyes. Those are like a desert exhibit. Yes, and they have a desert dome that has all four like major deserts in the world. And it, it's I, when I say it's bananas, <laughs> I mean like it is the coolest zoo I've ever been to. She has got B A N A N A S bananas <laughs> with more N A N A S in there because it's that bananas. Wow. They got money. <laughs> they sure do because Omaha is a money. really rich city. But that's okay. <laughs> anyway. All right, friends, it is now time for the best segment of Conservation Queen's Beluga News. You know, we couldn't have an episode without it. Um, So this week, most exciting Beluga News of all time, honestly, um, is that the Shedd Aquarium, their Beluga Bella, finally gave birth. Ah! Um, She had a precious little baby Beluga who is doing so great. they released a video of the baby's birth, and he actually came up breech, which is crazy. Um, most whales and dolphins, they're born flukes first. That means their tail first. Um, but this little one said, nope, I'm going to go the other way, and he came out head first. But he's doing totally fine. Um, Mom is doing great, and I'm just so excited to watch this little baby beluga grow. So um, if you want to see this baby beluga, just check out the Shed Aquarium's um, Facebook and Instagram. They've been sharing a lot of videos of mom and baby, and it's just very sweet. So check it out. But we spent a lot of time on Zoom news, so let's move on yes. to the real topic. Which, if you guys didn't know, last week was Kenzie's birthday. Yeah. Woo! And because it was Kenzie's quarter life crisis. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna help yeah. us forget that quarter life crisis, and we are doing something called a battle. Royale, and we're gonna have Kenzie talk about what we're gonna do here. (laughs) Okay, so I am so excited. So, you guys are probably pretty familiar with our little battle royales that we've had in the past. Shout out to National Park episode. Uh, But today, of course, 
people to focus on bats because of course they are my favorite animal. But Kenzie, you're probably asking, what is a bat? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Here, I'll help you. Kenzie, what is a bat? That is a great question, Abby. I hope you're prepared to sit down for the next six hours. <laughs> but oh. I'm going to combine it. <laughs> so bats are the only true flying mammal, and they are the second largest group of mammals behind rodents. Now, contrary to popular belief, they are not rats with wings. In fact, they are more genetically uh, closely closer related to humans than they are rodents, which is very interesting. Uh, they've been around for about 52 million years, according to the fossil record. And there's over 1,300 bat species known to date. But why do I love bats? Another great question. Kenzie, why do you love bats? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my favorite <laughs> thing, talking about bats and myself. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Emily's going to come in here and she's going to be like, what in the hell is going on? <laughs> so I want to take you guys on a trip through memory lane with me. So the first time I ever really learned about bats and how cool they were was when I was a youth volunteer at the San Antonio Zoo and we had a bat exhibit card. I thought it was really, really cool. I learned so much and it was probably my favorite docent exhibit because you learned a lot and the guests were always forward. Now, fast forward a couple years in university and I had the privilege of meeting my advisor who ran what we refer to as the bat lab. And so she and a grad student who was working under her, they were looking for volunteers for the summer, tramping around the Smoky Mountains, looking for bats and studying them and their foraging behaviors. So they take me out one night and it's my first night netting, if I remember correctly. And we are sitting in Kate's Cove, just off of the main road in a little swampy area. And we have put up these mist nets to catch bats. So Mist nets, for our listeners who are unfamiliar, is essentially think of a really giant volleyball net, but the mesh is super fine and super narrow, and bats will fly into it. And because it's so narrow and fine, they have a really hard time echolocating it or avoiding it because we put it up in these little flyway corridors. And so we caught 10 bats that night, which was actually really, really good. Uh, compared with recent years because of white nose syndrome had decimated the population, but that's another topic. Mm. And, yeah, I, I know, frustrated growls all around. And then, well, an hour or so, maybe two hours, we were out there for quite a bit. Um, one of the girls calls me up and goes, Kenzie, do you want to see this bat I found? It's really cute. And I go, yes, of course I do. And she has her hands wrapped around the bat, and I don't see it at first. So as I shine my light down on it, all of a sudden, I see pop, pop, these two big rabbit-like radar ears. And then she opens up one hand and cradled in her other is the cutest bat, the cutest thing I have ever seen in my entire life. It was a pregnant mama bat. She was a Rathnus Townsian ear bat. So you guys need to look it up. They are adorable. And she was just straight up chilling. <laughs> she didn't have a clue in the world. <laughs> Never mind that she just flew into a mist net and now she's being cradled by these blue hands. She's just having a great time. 
<laughs> but it was my experience, particularly through the bat lab, looking at these animals and learning more about them and the plight that they faced that I really developed a love for them. And I already have an affinity for things that are considered weird and strange and maybe a little bit spooky. So I really resonated with them and they're just so underrated and I wish people would love them more because they deserve all the good things in the world. It's freaking back. It's freaking back. freaking back. I love Halloween. <laughs> it is spooky season. I had a friend today who was like, just so you know, starting next year, I'm going to start calling August, I think it was August 20th, negative 61st of October. I like that. I'm on board. And I was like, yes. That is awesome. All right. So with that, next up, we're going to have all three of the other queens present forth a challenger about to win my favor. And at the end, I found the champion. (laughs) So Emily B will pop in there too, just uh, separately. I want to yes. be clear. Oh, yeah. So the way that you you phrased this, Kenzie, is this is more uh-huh. like a jousting tournament at medieval times than anything else. <laughs> yes, but we're correct. just doing bat facts instead. We are jousting yes. for Kenzie's eternal love. I thought we already. <laughs> I thought we already all had Kenzie's eternal love. You all do have my eternal love, but this is who gets um, more of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> In that case, I shall defeat you all. Let's go. <laughs> all well, right. um, speaking of defeating you all, I'm uh, coming in oh. hot because oh. I'm pretty sure I know what Kenzie's favorite bat actually is. <laughs> but to be fair, there are multiple different types of this bat. So, I could be wrong, but I'm going with the one I think is the cutest. And it is the northern ghost bat. Guys, they look like cute little white cotton puffs. All right. Y'all need to just let Google me, search Google. ghost bat. Ooh. Just just Google search ghost bat. No, no, ghost. no. No, ghost bat is from Australia. The northern ghost bat is a different one. No, no, no. What I'm okay, saying no. is so cute. Though. I just Google searched oh ghost God. bat and I just have a bunch of baseball bats that came up. So oh. I don't know what you're talking about, oh, girl. That's like, hilarious. I don't, I don't think this is what you Oh meant. my God, you're right. You're right. Oh, and then if you if you scroll down a little bit, you'll find the, the actual ghost yeah. bat. But anyway, yes, oh, northern yeah. ghost bat. I see there I didn't is pick that one. Also, a ghost bat in Australia, um, but they have like bigger ears and like overall they're just bigger. And um, there's a lot more known information about those bats. Um, but the northern <laughs> ghost bat, there is <laughs> muy poquito information out there about oh, calling out <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> Well, they are from Latin America, okay? <laughs> so they live in Central and South America. Um, and they typically live in rainforests and seek shelter under things like palm fronds. Guys, I saw one. Yeah, I really can't handle the picture of them hiding under the leaf. Look it's at, killing me. Look at the one so I just cute. sent you, though. This one, he's so mad. <laughs> They do look kind of angry, but in a really, like, you know, they're too tiny and adorable to look Yes, they look like a grumpy toad. (laughs) Yeah. I relate to the grumpy 
tiny. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, since we're talking about their uh, appearance, uh, the skin on their wings, which Kenzie, how do you pronounce what that's actually called? Do you know? Translucent. No, or translucent. I don't. I was reading a lot of really scientific bat articles, and they found these really fancy terms for um, bat appendages or body parts, whatever you want to call oh, it. I have no are idea. Are you talking about the European What? The is that what you're talking about? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> is it the fleshy part on their tail, like towards the back? Oh, no, I'm talking about, like, the actual skin that's, like, on their wings. Oh, I just refer to it as membranes. Oh, okay, well, that let's, works, Let's too. do that. So, anyways, <laughs> those membranes on their wings, um, on the northern ghost bat, is because it is so thin and pale in color, it is, like, literally translucent, so you can pretty much see straight through it. So, hence where they get the name ghost bat. Um, but like I said, they live in Central America. And when I saw one in Costa Rica, y'all, it literally (laughs) looks like a cotton ball hanging from a palm frond. Like, so big. Um, yeah, said there's not a lot of information out there about them. So apparently it was extremely rare to even be able to find one. Um, so I feel blessed with their grace. Um, (laughs) But these bats are insectivores, so um, they'll actually eat about a thousand bugs a night. Um, so holla at your boy for uh, bug control, because I know none of us like bugs that much. Cough, cough, our last episode. <laughs> I was going to say, we just did an episode about why you should love them. But anyway, yeah. True. We respect them. Yes. We love yes. them a lot, but we don't need that many of them. There's definitely too many of them. We could do less. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they do echolocate to help them uh, hunt. I thought this was notable because not all bats do this. Um, and that's pretty much all they know that they use for echolocation. <laughs> Researchers don't know anything else about their communication. So that's it. <laughs> that's, um, that's all we got. So when I was looking up what these bats eat, um, I found out about something called bat guano. Oh, hell yeah. uh, Which I had no idea that there was a fancy term for poop, but here we are. (laughs) There's always a fancy term for poop. I guess so. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) But on t-shirt. So, with my researching about guano, side note, uh, the internets do listen to you because YouTube started advertising YouTube videos about bird guano. So, here we are. But anyways, uh, the reason they talked about bat guano is because um, they found that specifically bat guano coming from bats like the northern ghost bat are actually extremely valuable to plants. Um, so, one reason why these bats are important, y'all. Um, but I think Kenzie might have brought up that fancy word earlier about this strange sack <laughs> near the tail. Um, scientists have no idea what it's for. 
or what it does. All they know is that males typically have larger sacks. Uh, oops. <laughs> I said it. Um, hell yeah! <laughs> but uh, they also get larger during mating season. So they speculate that it has to do with mating. But once again, no idea what it's for or what Can it you does. imagine working on that research project? <laughs> like it is inflated more than that one i don't know man yeah <laughs> i could tell y'all stories dating <laughs> 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 season Oof. <laughs> I'm like, continue. <laughs> um but these bats uh unfortunately it takes them a very long time to um i almost said replicate but you know same thing i guess um, they give birth to one pup during a mating season, which is only once a year, so their oh. odds are not in their favor. Um, and they also typically live a life in solitude, so they're not found in these large groups or in caves with a whole bunch of other bats. The largest amount of bat, northern ghost bats that have ever been found together is four. What? Yeah. So they're shy. Oh. They just, you know, yeah. have their close circle of friends. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just a lone Casper the ghost bat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Nuggets. Um, I also thought it was interesting that they have uh, vestigial thumbs. I'm not sure if all bats have this, but... Uh, Isn't that we- what they hang from when they go poop? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> They said it that was notable crazy. in the scientific article I was reading. <laughs> like I said, I'm learning a lot right now. Um, but I thought this was also something interesting that they pointed out about how they hunt. So these bats uh, fly in a relatively straight line and fly fairly high, like hundreds of meters high uh, to hunt for their food. And... Um, I thought it was funny because other bats kind of fly like drunken maniacs and like bump into each other. And these ones are just so graceful. <laughs> um, fun fact, a group of bat ghost bats is called a cloud. Stop. So, um, wow. That's it. I win. Case closed. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a fat minute, though. What? Katie and I have not gone yet. Okay, fair. Um, But I did want to close this off by saying that um, because there is such a lack of knowledge about these bats, um, even though they seem to be fairly widespread across Central and South America, we still don't really know their populations. Um, But because of them being widespread, IUCN still reports them as least concern, which, if you were to ask me, it is rude to assume that they are doing well. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I agree. (laughs) So that's where we're at with the ghost bat. Um, I think they're the cutest bats on earth. Therefore, I think Kenzie's going to pick them. But (laughs) we shall see. Bold of you to assume. Because up next, we oh, have wow. the I actual best bat me. <laughs> in the world. And that is the kitty's hognosed bat, a.k.a. Bumblebee bat. Oh, you drove the bat. bat? 
Oh my gosh, lay it on me. What you got? It's a bath that made it with a bumblebee, and it's just an abomination. I rude. 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 (laughs) Anyway, continuing the kitty's hognosed bat or the bumblebee bat is the smallest mammal on earth. So they already have a gold medal. They won a record in something. So they don't need Kenzie's love. We're good. (laughs) They weigh in at a mere two grams. And one of the articles I read said that is literally two Skittles. And I like started crying. (laughs) They weigh two Skittles. Skittles. Why can't we measure everything in candy? No, just in candy. Because like. I would be okay with like a good Hershey's bar. Like my foot's about the size of a Hershey's bar. Like I think that's a good <laughs> measurement. <laughs> you know what? In Abbey World, when it's you know when you make your own nation, that's that can be your. Measure, no one's going to want to live there. No one's going to want to live in Abbey World. That's a <laughs> volcano waiting to erupt. So yeah, I looked so, up a picture of this bat, and they yeah, are yep. quite small and quite adorable. But one person yep. did a zoom in of their face, and I am terrified. And I still love them. <laughs> I'm scared. Well, you know what? It's like small but mighty. Like small, but I'll still kick your ass. So I respect that about them. Um, they literally would hang like like on your thumb, though. Like they're that small, like the size of your. I thumb. This. Not only do they win the record for smallest mammal on Earth, but they also are the only living species of the bat family. This is a horrific word. Crazion nycteridae. Yep. Yep. Science. Um, <laughs> that bat family split off from the others 33 million years ago. So they're extremely unique. Like, wow. Oh, my goodness. So they're very special in that way they literally look like a poof with wings yes pretty much i mean (laughs) people like misidentify them all the time apparently because it's like like, it's it's a it's a bug it's a you know hummingbird nope it's a tiny teeny tiny bat oh i forgot Uh, about the um is it isn't that a bat that looks like a hummingbird no what is that what no it's i mean what am i thinking you're thinking of a mom (laughs) yeah but anyway, oh, my little a, bumblebee. We need to do a bird episode to get Emily oh on the same page. Let me talk about my bumblebee <laughs> It is found in western Thailand and southeast um, Myanmar, I think is how you say it. Yes. Myanmar. Myanmar. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Where it lives in limestone caves along rivers. Uh, unlike Emily's bat, they can have up to, they have around an average of 100 individuals living in a cave together, and the max is up to 500. But I mean, like, they're so tiny, so like lots of space, right? It makes sense. Um, They don't go, this I thought was really interesting. When they go to feed, they don't really go far from their roosting site to find food. They only go as far as a kilometer away, and they'll only go out for about 30 minutes at dusk and dawn to feed. Do they just get tired? Yeah. (laughs) Their little bellies can only hold so many insects. I don't know. But, like, that's it. It's, like, 30 minutes, and they're like, okay, time to go nap in the cave for the rest of the day. Bye. Um, and like that's the of time, so it can be tough if there's bad weather, if it's too cold, or if um, it's raining. That's like could spell trouble for them, which makes me sad. Um, they eat small flies, spiders, and other insects, 
And um, like Emily's bet, too, they only give birth to a single offspring every year. So rough. Uh, Ouch. (laughs) Anyways, they so I said that they have like two kind of populations in Thailand and then in Myanmar. And because of this, they it's unknown if the populations are reproductively isolated from each other. isolated from each other Um, even though the two are still morphologically identical they might be undergoing speciation because they found out that they have different echolocation calls already what so it's like really exciting yeah they have different echolocation calls and scientists are like really excited because it could mean that they're currently undergoing speciation being in those two separate areas which is super exciting like how yeah, but how often do you get to actually like possibly study the speciation of two animals? That's it's crazy. Awesome. Uh, yes, thank you. I think so too, Kenzie. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> their conservation status is considered near threatened as of 2019. Uh, they were only discovered in the 1970s. So like, hello, pretty new to the world. Um, They've been around for 33 million years, but, you know, new to us, whatever. They were, um, their biggest threats include um, the annual burning of forests during their breeding season and deforestation uh, in general. But also ecotourism has interrupted them quite a bit um, of people just going and exploring the caves in a not responsible way. So always being aware of, you know. If we are going to natural places that we're doing so responsibly and, you know, doing good tours and things like that. Um, But one thing that I thought was really cool is apparently monks will use the caves to meditate uh, and the bats will roost pretty deep in the cave, not at the entrance. So monks have actually started meditating at the entrance of the cave and it deters people from going any further. We stand the the eco-friendly monks. Yeah, I love that. So um, that's that's the bumblebee bat for you. I'm going to keep it short and simple like those teeny tiny bumblebee bats. Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> so they are. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So. Oh, man, where's Emily B? All righty. So we're going to get started with my bat, which is the Indian flying fox. Now, listeners, my first recommendation to you is going to be If you've never heard of this animal, go ahead, give them a Google, Indian flying fox. And I'm 100% sure after that, you'll be in my boat and you'll be like, yes, this is the cutest bat that's ever lived and it should be the winner. So let's talk about it. The Indian flying fox lives in India and Southeast Asia. They are a type of fruit bat. So they're considered a mega bat. So many of the other bats that the conservation queens are talking about today are micro bats, which are very, very small bats. But fruit bats are mega bats. They're quite large. Now, the Indian flying fox, they literally look like a little red fox with wings, which is just adorable. Look at their eyeballs. They're so cute. I read an article that said they have soulful eyes, and I just thought that was very accurate. Um, Now, these guys, they can get quite big, um, up to a foot long. So that's pretty hefty compared to some of these other bats, including the bumblebee bat, which is very tiny. Um, The Indian flying fox is huge. Now, they can weigh between two and three pounds, so that's pretty big for a bat. Um, And they are quite long-lived, so they live up to 31 years, which is pretty wild. 
Um, now, they are very, very social. They like to chatter with each other. Literally every single article that I found with these animals basically was like, oh, yeah, they live in these huge colonies and they just like to talk to each other, chin chatting all day. And I'm like, yes, these are my bats. These are my people. Um, and they can live in colonies of up to a thousand bats. I read an article that said um, this family had these three trees and they counted 500 of these bats in a colony um, just on three trees, which is wild to me. Now, so they are fruit bats. So that means they're eating fruit. They're considered a frugivore, so eating fruits and flowers and things like that. Um, they are often accused of being a pest animal because people, um, these bats can be found in areas very close to people. Um, and the people think they're a pest because they think they're eating all of their ripe fruit. Well, joke's on them. Um, the bats actually don't eat the ripe fruit. They are actually eating overripe fruit. So they're doing everybody a favor. Um, now, something really neat about the Indian flying fox is that they're responsible for spreading banyan tree seeds. So in the areas where these bats live, the banyan trees are considered a keystone species. And without the banyan trees, um, the ecosystems there would pretty much just crumble. And the bats, um, because they eat the fruit of the banyan tree, are responsible for spreading the seeds in their poop, in their guano, and spreading those trees. So they're doing a really nice thing for the earth. We love that. Um, now, because these animals live so close to people, they're actually considered sacred in some parts of India, which I thought was very kind. Um, and a neat little fact is that you can actually find this type of bat in a lot of zoos, especially here in the U.S. They um, can be found all over the place, and they're just so stinking cute. I swear to you, listeners, please just do yourself a favor. Google Indian flying fox, and it will change your life forever because they're just so adorable. And honestly, I think that's all of the um, evidence you need to pick my bat. I just got to ask you, Kenzie, had okay. you heard, had you heard of today before of the ghost bats? Of the Northern ghost bats. Yes. Yeah. Had you ever, ever, had you heard of the bumblebee bats? Yeah. Have you ever heard of the Madagascar sucker footed bat? What? Hell There's yeah. There are multiple sucker-footed bats, let me tell you. This little dude is so weird. And so I thought he would be the perfect one for our battle royale. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. I have pictures pulled up. And they have Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> right? What is this? I I'm about to tell you, girl. All right. This is called the Mysopoda arita also known as the Madagascar sucker-footed bat. They live in eastern Madagascar. That's one species. And the other species lives in western Maceola Peninsula, which is also in Madagascar. So they're only found there. They're what we call endemic. Ooh. Ooh, nice vocab. Thank you. Which to the listeners just means they're only found in one place. Um, they are microbats. And I know we're hitting you with a lot of microbats, Kenzie. Uh but there, this is just this. I saw this on a list of the weird, weirder spats in the world, and I just could not resist. Um, they are insectivores, which means they only eat buggies, and their major role in life is pest control for micro microlepidopteran moths. Definitely have heard that before. Yes. So those are like little, just maybe smaller moths than normal moths. So not. <laughs> It's a big word just saying they tiny. All right. So these guys, you thought the ghost bat 
or the yeah the ghost ride the moment bat were like poorly researched this little man has been known about since the 1900s and they did not start researching him until 2007 oh my goodness this poor boy just has got no love uh they are about two inches long from head to tail and they only have about a five inch wingspan so they're still they're still hand sized they're still tiny they got big old ears uh they are apparently extremely hard to catch in mist nets because they're really really good at flying and their echolocation is really really good so they can sometimes echolocate the mist nets. Oh my gosh, that's impressive. So yeah, they're crazy. Um, they also are different because they cling to leaves upright. They don't go upside down very much, which I thought was cool. Um, they are least concerned, but they're threatened mostly by habitat loss um, because Madagascar's forests are just being decimated right now so but let's get to the main part of this what the suck <laughs> what? so these bats have suckers on their feet they are these little horseshoe shaped pads that they use to cling to smooth vertical surfaces they are they, they basically have like toilet plungers on their feet that they used to climb stuff. It's like the bad spy movies where they suction cup to the building and are trying yes. to break it. Yes, and there's an animal that actually does this. And here's the other crazy thing I read when I was researching. There is um, a couple other kinds of sucker-footed bats that live in South America. And guess what, Kenzie? What? It's convergent evolution. Oh my god, I love it, Daddy. Darling. They evolved two separate times. Why? How? No idea. Bananas, though, right? Like, how did that yeah. happen? Um, so how do they stick to these things? It's not actually using suction. Um, they have a they the glands on their feet secrete a liquid and it adheres them to smooth vertical surfaces. So they have little like glue sticky feet. Which is adorable. Um, and then they they roost head up, and they use their tail uh, propped up. And Emily, yes, your ghost bats are so cute. You find them in leaves. Guess what? Sucker-footed bats also like to be in leaves, mainly palms. Look at that. Uh, Nuggets. They they are just the weirdest looking bats and i mean that in of course the absolute best way um my favorite article i found is that um it's a national geographic one that is a the researcher that's studying him, his name is paul racy and for six years um since 2013 this is an article watching 2013 he had been looking for six years and he had only found male bats only male bats only male sucker footed bats and he knows there's females because he's found young ones, but he hasn't been able to find any females, only the males. Isn't that weird? That's really weird. Uh, and my favorite part is this is like a leading bat scientist. He has no good hypothesis on why he can't find them. <laughs> huh. So talk about a huh. mystery bat. Like this is, he's apparently worked in Madagascar for 20 years. He's published over 200 papers on bats, 
He's edited textbooks about bats, and he can't find a female sucker-footed bat. Bats are quite elusive. It, apparently, this guy just does not want the little girls, like, they're keeping them secret. So, it, it just is the, the most bananas bat in the whole world. Um, I wish I could tell you more about them. There's not a whole lot of research about them because they can't find the females. Listen, I will tell you from personal experience, finding bats, even common bats, especially <laughs> during the daytime, is a pain in the tuchus. Unless like you're looking for one of those really big fruit bats in certain areas. Right. Because we were tracking one bat during the day. Story time, y'all. And we were trying to find the roosting spots. Because not all bats roost in caves. Sometimes they roost in trees, especially during summertime here in the Northern Hemisphere. And we literally climbed up and down these three ridges in the middle of the Smoky Mountains. We've been tracking this thing all day. And we get between these two trees. And we can't find it. <laughs> we had, we, we word for it, but we, there's a radio signal attached to the bat, right? We had a little uh, right. battery backpack on it and we were using um the satellite thingy in the bigger i can't the yogi that's what we called it we called it the yogi <laughs> and the grad student who had it grace she just kept winging it between the two trees and she's like i don't know blended <laughs> <laughs> really well with the leaves and she's like it could also be roosting on the ground they can sometimes do that and i'm like <laughs> Research is hard. It is so hard. It is so hard because science, when you're trying to extrapolate data, you want it as near perfect and controlled as you can get to eliminate as many factors, influencing factors as you can. But when you are doing field research, that don't happen. <laughs> well, Kenzie, Anyways. if you want a bat that's not well studied to use as a master's or PhD project, might I suggest <laughs> the Madagascar sucker-footed bat because this, again, they're bananas, they have toilet plunger feet, and I think I just won the competition. I mean, I'm really flattered that you think I'm smart enough to get a PhD or a master's. <laughs> You're a time traveler. Like, you, ju you just got, you got all the time in the world. Well, you guys definitely put forth um, some pretty great arguments for your best. I'm not going to lie. I'm really torn on which one goes because I relate to small and angry. <laughs> And again, I really relate to tiny and tired, like the bumblebee bat. <laughs> I love sucker-footed bats. I think that's really cool. I like the mystery there. And also, I know Emily B chose the Indian flying fox, and I've seen so many videos of them just munching on the fruit, and it makes my heart happy. <laughs> oh, he is yes. he is doing the splits in this photo here, which cracks me up a lot. Yes, it is very impressive. I cannot do the splits. <laughs> Good man. Oh, that is a true shoot. nugget right there. True that's nugget. a whole that's a whole chicken. That's not just a nugget. He's a whole chicken. He big. You're right. That's a whole <laughs> it's a big bat. A big bat. Well, I 
God, I, I don't really know what to choose. So would you it be a cop-out if Why I chose my own? We... Are you going to use a cop-out and leave it to the listeners? I mean, I wasn't going to for that, but we can. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to suggest my own bat. <laughs> oh. But yeah, let's go and leave it up to the listeners. Let them choose which bat they think deserves the honor of being my champion. All right, so listeners, you heard it first. Cast your votes. We will be putting a poll up on our social media pages for you to decide which bat deserves to be crowned champion. But in the meantime, we would like to give you guys our conservation conversation. So there are lots of great resources out there you can use to learn more about bats and maybe pick your very own favorite bat. Uh, one suggestion is the Bat Conservation and Management at batmanagement.com, which is an amazing resource for buying or DIYing bat houses. I also would suggest Bat Conservation International or BCI. This is an amazing program. I was actually able to attend a talk during my days as a youth volunteer at San Antonio Zoo. And that is another reason why I love bats. Um, one of the grad students actually got to go do a project in Cambodia, uh, studying them from my university because they were awarding out grants, which is really cool. So another amazing resource. And of course, again, one thing you can do to help support bats and bat conversation, conservation is by dispelling a lot of negative myths that there are about bats. Uh, contrary to popular belief, they're not as dirty diseased as you think they are. You cannot catch COVID from bats. Yes, it does happen in bats, but it needs the intermediary host to jump to humans. The reason why we have COVID is because humans don't know we, we don't know when to not be jerks. <laughs> That's the best way I can think of putting it right now. Accurate. Yeah. So with that, go out there, go wild, learn something about bats, tell your friends, tell them Build why they're awesome. Build a bat house. Build a bat house if you can. Yes, your garden will thank you. And your skin from all the mosquito bites. <laughs> oh my God, get me started. So make sure, if you haven't already, follow us on social media, on our Instagram and Facebook page at Conservation Queens Podcast. Uh, email us if you guys have a question or suggestion of a topic or just want to chat. Uh, email us at conservationqueenspodcast at gmail.com. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers, tell the whole world to follow this podcast because what else are y'all going to do during this time of the plague? <laughs> So anyways, thank you guys so much for joining us this week. We really do appreciate y'all's support. I uh, hope you guys are all staying safe. Now go out there and stay sustainable. And remember, Black Lives Matter. Bye!